We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. What is this, you may ask? This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It is the podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. I'm the alum. My name is Steven. He is the fan. His name is Joshua. Joshua, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia. Who are your two favorite teams, Steven? I, I, I forgot from the last episode. Oh, I'll remind you, it's Georgia Tech and whoever the hell is playing Georgia. Welcome to the show. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here. Please tell a Georgia Tech alum or fan that you know about this show because that's how we're growing it naturally, organically, and one tech fan at a time. Uh, what we do in the show, first part of the show, we try to give you all the news we can. We look at all the different tech websites and all the different sites who talk about tech athletics. We try to bring it all back here and give you as much news as we can. We also do a little bit more in-depth part of the show. So today on the news, we are going to be talking about the football game against Virginia Tech. Uh, we are going to be talking about the volleyball uh, team and their matches, especially the one against Florida State. We're also going to talk about the Georgia Tech men's basketball team, which had their first game against Clayton State. That will probably be the more in-depth because it was the first chance for us to see the team on the on the court. We'll talk about it a little more in-depth. And Joshua might give you a couple other news nuggets in between those stories. So, Joshua, I'm going to get out of your way. Georgia Tech football played Virginia Tech on Saturday. In your best sports media voice and sports media way, tell us all about what happened in the game. Well, Tech got back in the win column against one of the other bottom dwellers of the ACC. Virginia Tech dropped two and seven on the season. Georgia Tech improves to four and five. Bowl eligibility still on the table for the Yellow Jackets after that win. Um, biggest story of the game is that Tech dominated the first and the fourth quarter. So in the fir first quarter, Tech was able to take a 10-0 lead off a Dante Smith touchdown and then a field goal at towards the end of the quarter. Unfortunately, in those middle two ones, uh, Virginia Tech was able to put up a lot of points. Going into the fourth quarter, Virginia Tech was actually up 28 to 16. And then Georgia Tech did their thing. Zach Pyron hit Nate McCollum for a 56-yard touchdown. Absolute magician of a magician of a move there from Nate McCollum to stay in bounds and take it to the house. And then the big one, uh, Tech driving at the end of the game with about three, three and a half minutes left. Zach Pyron up the middle nine yards. Touchdown, helmet comes off, four guys sandwich him, and he gets in regardless and lets the fans know about it. So um, some big performers from the game for Georgia Tech, Zach Pyron. Um, some people are calling him the Red Rifle. I believe that's taken from a former quarterback, but I like the name regardless. Um, uh, what former quarterback, Joshua? Andy Dalton is the, uh, the former quarterback that had that. But Zach Pyron, as of now, He's a true freshman doing this. Let's just keep it that way. Absolutely. Um, 19 and 32 for 253 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Uh, Dante Smith back in the game, uh, back on the stat sheet, nine carries for 85 yards. Pyron actually had 17 carries himself, ended up with 66 yards. Um, Nate McCollum get another great game with over 100 yards receiving. 
Uh, Malachi Carter, probably with his best game of the year, 61 yards on four catches. Um, the big ones on defense, obviously our guy, the best linebacker in football, Charlie Thomas, 16 total tackles, one sack and one tackle for loss. So in all those other columns, bit of a quiet game, but tackles wise, 16 is pretty impressive. And then the big one that we're not really hearing too much about, but Clayton Powell, we had another strong game mm-hmm. with six tackles. And he also had a fumble recovery, which was actually tech had three fumble recoveries on the day. Um, Noah Collins, Makia Scott, and Clayton Powell Lee. So Georgia Tech's defense, once again, put in the um, work. They had five sacks on the day, three passes defended, also had an interception, Clayton Powell Lee again. So Tech's defense continues to make plays. Georgia Tech's offense finally showed up, and that's how you get back in the lineup. Yeah, and a and couple things from this game. We we don't want to spend too much time beating it to death, but uh, and I loved your recap. It, Virginia Tech was the bottom dweller. At the very beginning, if you go back and listen to our episode when we started the football season, this is one of the games we were like, we really should win this game if we're improving yeah. at all. Um, we win 28-27. What I found interesting, Brent Key had won two other games before this, and in those games, the offense had gotten out to a big lead and the defense really held the other team down made it interesting late, but we really had those games in hand. This is the first real comeback victory for this team. Not only that, this is the first time we really see the offense like manufacturing a lot of their own, because a lot of times like in the Duke and Pitt games, it was sort of the offense scored because the defense forced a turnover at like the 20. And so they went five yards and then kicked a field goal. But this time it was like Pyron was moving the offense. Yes. So, so a lot of, of, a lot of credit has to go to the entire offense, even the offensive line. Pyron's only sacked three times in the game. Uh, I, I, he was not too big for the, he was, the moment wasn't too big for him. I've heard that said multiple times. He kept his head, he kept his cool. He, he really didn't change the way he played. He didn't speed up or, or get nervous. Um, This kid knows how to win. It looks like this kid knows what he wants to do and and knows how to use the weapons around him. He used a lot of the weapons around him, like you said. Uh, a special shout-out to Malachi Carter. Uh, breaks the record for most uh, football games played as a Tech player. Obviously, thanks to the COVID year, he's a 60-year senior. Um, I believe, uh, you know, one of the last Paul Johnson guys on campus. So kind of shout-out to him. Uh, and and other guys, like you said, who ha- who played a great game. Um, so it was it was just a good tech game. I don't know if other tech alum and fans would have would admit to this, but I was watching, going, I can't believe we're going to lose this game to Virginia Tech. I mean, it was it was frustrating. I do that as an I do that as an Atlanta fan myself. So right. I, I just it, I'm conditioned to believe it. I, we're, I'm sitting there going, we're going to lose. Our, our defense is not going to hold them under 20. So this is this is going to be bad. And and by the way, um, it's not all on the defense, right? Zach Pyron throws a pick six, right? Deep in the deep in the end yeah. zone. And then I, I thought it was interesting. I was listening to uh, Tech Radio. Joe Hamilton made a point to say, hey, that's not a bad pass. It it just was an unlucky play, kind of bounced off the guy. Um, it's yeah. not on Zach. It's not on the receiver. It just was a kind of a, just one of those things that happens. And he said, it'll be interesting to see how he responds. Didn't let it get him down. So a pick six from like inside the five yard line. And then, Hey, they've stopped the block punts, but Hey, punt team, 
stop giving up touchdowns. They've had they well, that's the second touchdown return. Some of that, some of that, unfortunately, is by design because of the way Key has kind of shifted the special teams mentality. They've got bigger guys out there to make sure they block. So but kick it out of bounds. Kick it out of bounds. Kick it away from people. They might need to start doing that. Yeah, I, or goodness, like gracious. shanking it and trying to bounce it. I don't know. Um, so. Uh, as you're looking, I, I just I wanted to say one other thing. Uh, the Georgia Tech defense needs to be shouted out because they are now I've seen either number two or number three in turnover differential for the season. We are either second or third in the nation in turnover differential. So and when shout we out say, to the offense for not turning the ball over a lot, right, right. So so there's there's something Tech is doing well is we've been destroying the turnover battle. And guess what? You didn't have to use a, a chain. You didn't have to use an, a, a Twitter handle. You didn't have to use – just tell the guys, go play. And they did. So shout out to both the offense for protecting it pretty well all year and the defense for just being turnover beasts. And Charlie Thomas does need to be uh, given a little bit of a rib – for not being able to return that fumble recovery uh, the entire way uh, on his one. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. Um, the only other thing I'll mention is Zach Pirate is getting close to where if he if he plays out the string, he plays those final three games, Right. he will not be redshirt eligible. He'll use up a year of eligibility. It will be interesting to see how the tech coaching staff handles this because – Part of it might be if Sims is healthy, then right. it makes their job that much easier because they can just like, all right, well, we're just going to not play him. But if Sims doesn't get healthy, will they let him play the string out or will they put Gibson in for one game as like a sacrificial lamb so that you can maintain a year of eligibility for him? It'll be interesting. Right. Yeah, it, it'll it'll be very interesting, I think. Uh, there was an article, I believe, today about illness and injuries. There's some kind of bug that's going through the team. So hopefully they'll be able to be at close to full strength on Saturday. It is going to be interesting to see if Jeff Sims fully recovers to play. Uh, you know, we have no idea what they're going to do. Pyron, I believe, can play in two more games and still be able to redshirt. So like you said, if he plays out the string, I, I, I've i got to believe they'll, they'll, I think he plays this week and then let's see where we're at for UNC and Georgia. But you know that we're just we're throwing darts against the wall at that point that we're not in the coaching room so um so shout out to the shout out to the football team uh four wins they have succeeded what they've exceeded jeff collins win total for all of his years on the flats that has to be they you got to give them credit for four wins in a busted season so let's get let's get one more against miami and then see what happens in the last two where we're going to be drastic underdogs just keep playing hard because you guys are entertaining. So thank you. Uh, you have a you have a little uh, news nugget for us, I believe, about the football coaching search. I do. So unfortunately, um, because of Jay Bat's incredible competence at his job, there's not a lot of information out there available to the public about tech and their head coaching search in the football realm. Um, he is definitely playing it very close to the vest. Um, I will say, according to GoJackets.com, specifically Jonathan Lifehite wrote the article, um, we do know that there is one person who is considered a very, very strong contender and that a bat does like him 
and the guy has reciprocated um, the interest. The person is not named, so we don't officially know who it is, but there is a name that has been mentioned as having interest in the Georgia Tech job. Might make a lot of Tech fans happy. That man is Jamie Chadwell. Now, we don't exactly know how Bat and Tech feel about him, but I can't imagine that they're looking at him like, oh, this guy just, he's got like a 33 record at Coastal Carolina. I don't think he's that good. Like, I, I imagine the interest is there from Tech, but it's good to know that that name has been kind of mentioned as he's at least looking at Tech. Hey, listen, uh, Tech, alum, Tech alum will recognize, uh, you know, obviously we've talked about Jamie Chadwell. I believe he was your one of your leading candidates from the beginning. But the other thing that cannot be discounted, you know, Coastal Carolina is where Bobby Cremins went, uh, coached a, a, at the end of his career, also has helped the athletic program. You can't tell me there aren't some ties. So that, that yeah. seems intriguing and interesting and reasonable. So the other thing in the article is it mentions a few people that Jay Bat may have crossed paths with in his time at Alabama. It's your typical characters, uh, Bill O'Brien, Charles Huff, Brent Key himself because he was at Alabama, um, and then potentially Bill Clark from UAB, um, which is not far from Tuscaloosa, like where it's kind of located. So there's a few people that Bat may have crossed paths with, might have some familiarity left. The fact of the matter is really we don't know, and that's actually not a bad thing. It means he's taking it seriously. Yep, and uh, and and one thing I can guarantee our listeners, there will be an in-depth talk about the coaching search when they, there's more to do. talk about. They do. He, the article does say they expect the announcement to come before the end of November, which makes sense because with the way the early signing signing period kind of works out, you've got to hire him as soon as possible so that he can actually start recruiting people. Yep. Because coaches just have no time now when they're hired after the season. Right. All right. So sometime in the next two to three shows, we'll be talking about it. We'll be talking about possibly the new hire. All right. So, uh, so, and we'll have to talk about the phenomena of. When Brent Key won his first two, oh, maybe Brent Key will do it. Then he lost two. Oh, there's no way Brent Key will get the job. And then this last week, I had a I had a friend text me and go, I think Brent Key might have a chance at the job. I'm like, it's, it's almost like sports so fans don't with. know what they want. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, I, I know what I want. Fan. I know what I want. I've made it very clear on this program. I won't go over it again here. That'll be another topic for another day. Okay. Uh, I wanted to spend a time, of course, as the head cheerleader of this program, of the Georgia Tech volleyball team. Uh, the women's volleyball team had two matches this last week. Unfortunately, they went one and one. Uh, they lost to my, they both were two road games. They lost to Miami, uh, three games to one in or three sets to one in their match. They did win at, at FSU, and it was very intriguing because it was a reverse sweep. It was a five-set uh, match. They were down two sets to love to start the match, and then they won three straight. Not only that, Julia Bergman. The the uh, senior outside hitter won ACC Player of the Week honors for her fourth time this season, second in a row, because in that match, she had 38 kills in the entire match. Unbelievable. Now, I have been talking. I have talked about Julia Bergman. It is time to talk about some other people, because when you get this five set uh, match winning win, a lot of people have to step up when you're down 0-2. So along with Bergman, uh, Bianca Bertolino uh, had 20 digs in the match, a match high 20 digs to go with 14 kills for her third double-double of the season. Also, junior setter, uh, junior setter Bella D'Amico 
had uh, 43 assists, and graduate middle blocker Breland Morissette topped the squad with five blocks and even pitched in six kills. Uh, that, of course, came from ramblingrec.com. Uh, as they follow the volleyball team, there's a great video of some of the highlights. So they went one and one for the week. They are now stand at 18 and five overall, 11 and three in the conference. They did drop below uh, 10th. They are, I believe, ranked 13th. And for our listeners, this Friday, okay, the 11th, uh, Friday the 11th, 11-11, go to O'Keefe Gymnasium, the Georgia Tech women's volleyball team is taking on Louisville. Louisville is the top of the ACC. We lost to them uh, on the road earlier. Uh, this is a revenge match. This might be the ACC finals that we want to see. So let's cheer on the Lady Jackets to beat Louisville this Friday. It is the only match of the week, I believe. So go Lady Jackets, beat Louisville. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to bring it back to football because this is like the one sport I know but also because I am the head recruiting guy of this podcast, Georgia Tech picked up another recruitment, which again says something about the brand of Georgia Tech, that with an interim head coach, Tech is still picking up recruits that are relatively high profile. Um, the name, we mentioned him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Jarvis Lee, all right, 5'11", 173 pounds. He's a cornerback out of IMG Academy, if you know anything about high school sports. IMG is a football factory. People, players come from all over the world nation to play for IMG. They are a prep school like that, uh, similar to Oak Hill or um, prolific prep in basketball. Anyway, um, he's rated about 940 in the 24-7 sports composite, um, considered almost a top 100 player in Florida, uh, top 100 in, um, in the cornerback class itself. Uh, looking at his offer sheet, he's got he had 16 official offers from a bunch of different Power Five schools. Um, one of the big ones was Virginia. Virginia was the the big competitor um, to where they were the other pe people in the 24/7 sports crystal ball. But he was definitely considered a tech lean. Um, also got offers from places like Appalachian State, Iowa State, Missouri, Purdue, Vanderbilt, Washington State. Uh, Pittsburgh, so a bunch of different Power Five schools from various different conferences around the world or around the nation, trying to get him in. Uh, he's also tracks. He's a multi-sport athlete. Plays uh, basketball. Also competes in track and field. So the dude's got speed, that's for sure. He's also got some special teams experience, and he also plays both ways at IMG. Um, at least in twenty or in twenty twenty one, when he was at his old um, high school in Clay, um, he had. A receiving touchdown and a punt return touchdown. So he's played a little receiver. He's played a little special teams, and he was also um, all news for all news for Jack's honorable mention in 2021. And he had three interceptions that year as well. So he's relatively decorated. Obviously, somebody that goes to IMG has to have some kind of skill uh, there. So solid pickup there for the Jackets. I like it. I like it. Thank you for the recruiting news. Uh, it is time to talk about the first Tech basketball game of the season. Uh, just quick, uh, I'll try to do the rundown. I can't do it justice the way you can as the sports media guy. But uh, Georgia Tech played Clayton State. We had played Clayton State last year uh, in the middle of the season, kind of gave us that break game. We played them at the start of the season. Clayton State is a Division II school just south of Atlanta. Uh, and so they came to McCamish Pavilion. 
Georgia Tech uh, was tied at halftime, 34 all. By the end of the game, however, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets did win 93-63. So the Jackets basically went on a uh, 59-point second half to uh, to defeat, uh, and 59 to uh, 29. So they outscored them by 30 in the second half. Um, I, uh, what, rather than just kind of go through the stats, I want to stop because this is going to be the, the big part of our show that we want to talk about. Now, before we talk about anything, I want to say a couple of things. It is the first game of the season. Clayton State, this was actually an exhibition game for them. It will not count on their record. It does count on ours. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Um, everybody expected Tech to win. Uh, what I And so we do not want to overreact to this, but we do want to talk about this. Is the first time we've seen the team in action. We had talked on the last show about the super secret scrimmage against Vanderbilt. Uh, there was also apparently one against, I believe, Tulane. Uh, technically, they won both of those things, and, and there was a couple of thoughts that came out of it. So we're going to try not to overreact, but we both watched the game. We want to talk about what we saw, both as me as an alum, you as the fan, uh, you as the sports media guy, me as the the rec basketball coach and junior high basketball coach and player that I was. So we're going to kind of talk through some of those things. Um, please take everything we say with a big grain of salt. I will start by saying one thing. I, I follow a few there's a few, of course, you, there's a plethora of boards to get out, you know, group chats to be part of. I found it hilarious. One of the tech fan posts that I am part of, there was a, there was a post around halftime. It was like, this team sucks. Pastors should be fired. I can't believe we're tied to Clayton state. Who's, you know, who's, who's ready to jump ship already. And people were like, dude, it's halftime. Calm down. And I want to go, have you not seen this team? We struggle at the beginning of the year. We always struggle. Everybody's like, well, they should have beaten Clayton State. They should have won by 50. I'm like, uh, no, well, this is this is tech at the start of a year where they're predicted to finish last in the ACC. So everybody calm down. So we're going to try to do this as calmly as we can, but they won 93-63. A win is a win is a win. First win since at the for the opening game since 2019. So... What are your thoughts? My thoughts is, is it was the first game of the season. And I think that a lot of sports fans lose sight of the fact that, you know, teams take time to gel, right? Like you see it in the NBA all the time and you see it in college basketball, especially like when a season starts, especially when you have as much turnover on the roster, specifically in the starting lineup that Georgia Tech has experienced, they're not going to come out and play to like the best of their abilities immediately. They've got to figure out kind of how everybody fits and I especially saw it at the beginning of the game like guy nobody was really I think kind of stepping up and like everybody was kind of trying to defer right like the, nobody really wanted to to be the guy to like take all the shots Lance Terry was willing to shoot which I think is just kind of ingrained in him uh Davon Smith was attacking the rim and Rodney Howard was putting up and missing a decent amount of putbacks and layups but like guys like Debo Coleman Miles Kelly uh Kyle Sturdivant um <clears throat> those kind of guys they just they weren't they looked like they were still kind of trying to they're still feeling out um right. how this offense was going to work and by the time you got to the second half it looked like everybody figured out what they wanted to do right. you know you started to see Kyle go at the rim he's very strong going to the rim so that was good 
Um, Rodney started to hit more of his layups. Debo Coleman had a a handful of very good drives. He looks like a very coordinated athlete. It looks like he's gotten some good weight on him this year, and he look he still looks just as strong, but he looks a little quicker and faster. Yeah. Um, Davon started to get a little bit better around the rim. Lance Terry caught fire from three there for a second. Um, the biggest thing I saw, it looks like this team might struggle at the rim. I don't know how much of that was kind of first game jitters or well, they're just gonna, kind of getting into the swing. They're going to be short. They, they, after Rodney, if they're not going to play Cyril much, and, and they probably won't, he's a freshman, but they are going to be a short team. Javon, Which, Javon Franklin is 6'7". Yeah. Um, and Jalen Moore is is six eight, six. He's six six. Yeah. Okay. I think he's six. He can jump out so, of the gym. I found that I found that lineup interesting because I think that that could be a very effective bench unit. I I'm a huge fan of going small. Um, I'm a secret fan of the Toronto Raptors because they just have a collection of six six to six nine wing types right. that they throw out there. So I think that that the three guards plus Moore and Franklin I think right. could be an interesting sort of blitz unit that they put out there when right. they kind of want to when they want to run and really kind of blitz people and and mecca uh jordan mecca did not play it, it, although they said i think they said it was an illness or an injury and he is he's it's a minor thing so he he is he's going to be okay um it, it, here are some of the things i i noticed um first off uh their scoring and and this is going to be a recipe for their success. You remember when the Hawks, uh, the Atlanta Hawks, had that great season where the sum was greater than the parts because they played well together and it was everybody getting, you know, 12 to 15 points, right? They'd have seven guys in double figures. You saw that. Now, again, first game of the season, Division II opponent, but your leading score, you scored 93 points and your leading score had 16. 16, 15, 10, 10, 9, 10, uh, and then your bench, you know, Miles Kelly with 10, Jalen Moore with 11. So you had two guys off the bench with double figures, and it was a lot of guys between 9 and, and 12 points. Um, so I think that could be – that shows Passner's message, get ready, because you are going to hear the team is the star, the team is the star, the team is the star. And I think these are guys who will buy into that. Um, Absolutely. Passner is very good at, at, at having guys buy in and you've got, you know, the two, the two portal guys, Lance Terry and, and, and Javon Franklin very early, but I see them as their pieces and, and they see themselves as pieces, very important pieces, but not, Oh, I got to go get 20. And, and, yeah. and I think, uh, well, so, so give Lance Terry some time. He might be that guy. Oh yeah. Oh, and listen, and that's the other thing. You there are, and I think I said this in our preview. There are there are four or five guys that on any night can drop twenty. Okay, yeah. So they'll ride a hot hand, but um, there that that was one thing I saw that I liked. The other thing, small thing, they came out and pressed, and I think this is going to be a team that does not play. I think of course Passner will play all kinds of defenses, but. I hope he doesn't rely too much on the man-to-man because this is a zone-type team with Rodney not being the greatest eraser down low, but being big and moving his feet. He only had two fouls. I thought that was great. Uh, so he can he can help in the middle, but they are going to play a lot of zone, and I would love to see them press because they're going to play nine or ten guys, and this is going to be an up-tempo, run-a-lot, kick-out, 
and and they've got to get back. They they can't give up as much easy baskets as they did against Clayton State, and and they'll have to kind of pack it in. I think a little, but they are going to win some games because their offense gets hot. If yeah. they can do that, that is that would be exceeding expectations. Because I said, and I thought this is going to have to be a team that wins on defense. They've got enough offense spread out that could that could win some games. Yeah. Um, the only the only issue that I can see potentially, especially on the defensive end, is I saw this mentioned somewhere. I forget where, but it was I think it was a solid point. Uh, I think it was on an, an article from from the Rumble Seat. Um, they mentioned Coach Josh Passman, and they said, "Listen, he's a you know he's a good coach, but he doesn't adapt." And I was like, that is that that's very true because well, think about it. His offense is the same, no matter who he has as the big man. We've been talking about it, right? He runs the same offense. He didn't he Patterson. didn't run it exclusively last night. He he they did we saw some different looks, but the, the base offense still that. And then the base defense has always been the one three one, which can work, but the issue that I have with it is it looked like Clayton State had a few too many wide open threes. Or threes where there was a late contest. And against a better team, that's going to kill you. So there's an aspect. Some of it comes down to kind of, I think, some of the guys are still getting comfortable yes. in the system. Um, and they're still kind of, it, it's, a, it's a very relatively complicated system because it relies a lot on reaction and sort of almost muscle memory. And so it works really well when you have people that know what they're doing and have done it before. And a lot of these guys are still kind of getting used to that. So it's something to keep an eye on. I just with the amount of open threes that I saw, if that holds, it's going to be hard to win because there's some, especially in the modern day of basketball, there's everybody can shoot. I I don't want to sound like that guy that we all try to avoid on social media or in sports talk shows and stuff, but I'm going to be that guy for just a second. Um, the whole one three one, that as someone who's played and done a little coaching there's about four or five different versions of that uh that i've i've picked up on um he he may it may look like a one three one but it is very he has very different variations of that there's a there's a run and jump version there's a uh there's a protect the wing version there's a pat there's even a pack it in one three one that he runs so there's a lot of different variations. What I saw was this is a there was a lot of confusion, and that's to be expected early on. They've gotten, uh, you know, we're you and I are big Atlanta sports fans. You 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 like Nate. We've talked about the Hawks. You know, Nate McMillan, the the coach of the Hawks, loves to say we got to stay connected on defense. That's like his big phrase. I saw them not connected, and yeah. I think Josh will work on that, and I think they'll get more connected. Um, yeah, that comes with familiarity. I mean, right. It's but, a bunch but, of new guys that you've kind of plopped in. And what I'm saying is I've never seen Josh run a, run a full court press. And, and he pressed at the beginning. And I yeah. think there's a chance for this defense to be very chaotic. And I think they're going to want to, and, and that is very un-Josh Pastner-like. But I think he wants to, and I think he's got a team that can be chaotic with control if if they can do that. So it's going to be very intriguing. Now again, we're we're maybe overstating because they played a division two opponent. Uh, it's going to be interesting. They play Georgia State, who is 
who is a very good opponent for us the last couple of years. Uh, we we christen their new building this weekend. Then we get to play Northern Illinois, get revenge for the football team, <laughs> screwing that game up a couple of years ago. It was it last year or whatever. Uh, and then we, uh, I believe we got Utah, we've got Iowa, we've got Georgia. We, we That's the other thing that I'm very intrigued with. It, Josh Pastner has usually padded his beginning schedule almost as exhibition-like, and it hasn't worked that way because we don't win them all. <laughs> But this is a pretty, I mean, this is a pretty tough schedule. And we're going to get a right. I mean, good picture we'll of where we're we'll at. We'll have to see. I can tell you that, that since Georgia's got a new head coach, there's a, there's a chance they won't, won't be that good. But um, Iowa always has some kind of players. Um, but today, and the other big ones, um, obviously Utah, like you said. Um, there's a chance definitely to come out of this looking really good, though, because – with teams like Northern Illinois and North Alabama and Northeastern all on there, you've got, you've still got kind of your, your quote unquote cupcake games, mm-hmm. but you're at least playing some power, power five, like big, big, bigger name schools that'll look decent on a resume. All right. Let me ask, let me, I want to kind of close this out. I want to ask you, give, give our listeners one player that you want them to watch. Um, it can be one of the obvious ones that people are talking about, but, but give them, give them a name that they should really watch this season on this team? Well, my favorite is Debo Coleman because I every time he touches the ball and he like he's similar to watching Jalen Johnson for me on the Hawks because when Jalen gets the ball and is like, I should do something, it looks so natural. Mm-hmm. And you get these, there's sometimes where you're just like, I don't think that there's anybody on this court that can stop him. But Debo is almost, almost to a fault. He's got this mentality, it looks like, of like, I'm going to put the team first, which is a great mentality to have. But there's there's got to be a point where you're like, you're the best player that we have. So that's my personal favorite. Yeah. The one that I think everybody should watch is Miles Kelly. I think Miles Kelly is going to have a fantastic year. Because I saw him in this game. When he had the ball in his hands, he looked comfortable dribbling. He yep. looked comfortable putting some moves on. We already know he can he can snipe from three. Yep. So if he can start putting some moves in and creating his own shot and yep. at least create some space, get into the rim, he's long enough. He can, he can, he can become a finisher. And I think on defense with more comfort, he could be a havoc raiser. I think he can become an all around player. Yeah. So uh, Josh Pasner has always wanted shooters. Um, that that's, he says it all the time. It was his lead recruit thing. He wanted years ago. So between miles, Kelly, Debo Coleman and Lance Terry, you've got three legit three point shooters. And then you've got other guys who can hit some three-pointers, no question. But those three guys are legit. And I'm with you on Miles yeah. Kelly. That's a great call. By the way, Debo Coleman, if he has a great season, he won't necessarily average 20. What he will do is shoot like 55% from the field overall. Yeah. He 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 had, what, nine points. He was the only starter not in double figures. But he did it on like five shots or six shots. I mean, it was yeah, he was four of six. Yeah, it was just he would he would he would get the ball, and when he decided I'm gonna go, he yes. just ran around people. Yeah, he's he's the guy that can both hit it from the outside and go get a bucket by pounding you because he's a lot stronger this year. That 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 is for sure. So and I'm it's good weight. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna give. Uh, so obviously after the first game, the the buzz is a little bit about Lance Terry and his threes. That was a great stretch. I was like. Hey, that reminds me of 90s tech basketball where they just run up. You know, that was fantastic. Um, I'm going to give everybody one name uh, that I kind of was looking at at the end of last year 
Um, Jalen Moore, uh, Josh actually talked about him after the game. Jalen Moore could be the next Moses Wright. Now, I'm, that's yeah. that's high, it's very high praise. High praise, he, for sure. He is, the difference is he's freakishly more athletic than Moses was. Moses was very, very, very kind of, he got stronger, he got better, but he was always so light on his feet. Jalen can, uh, he is just. He's more of a tank, yeah. Yeah, he, and 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 I love, he's got this stoic face, and, and I just think Jalen could multiple times kind of like, D up the best interior player. Um, maybe he's going to be the one I'm going to watch because if he can be a legit backup, uh, block some shot, he could be a shot blocker. He could be, you know, a, a come from the weak side kind of guy. So, so that's one that I really want to watch and, and I'm intrigued with to see, can he take a massive step forward? Um, everybody watches Davon, you know, he is, he is just unbelievable. Some of the things he does with the ball and so again those are going to be the ones that everybody watches but he just doesn't have touch right the the other one i'll tell you the one i'm secretly rooting for and he had some good minutes uh tristan maxwell uh, is just a kid i want to root for uh he never met a shot he didn't like he can't, every time i i think one of the things i'm going to track is when he comes on the floor how long does it take him to take a shot because last night it was like 30 seconds in first possession he he had a shot um, last big shout out. I know you and I want to shout out the guys at the end of the bench. Um, Holman Boyd, seconds away from greatness. Oh my goodness. Game, it was wide open three, and he was like, okay, I'll take it. And he almost went in. Uh, also, Fred, Fred Pauls and Cyril both got on the court. So kudos yeah, to those guys. And Cyril, unfortunately, Cyril didn't look ready because he, uh, he got pushed to the floor a few times. Well, yeah, I, give him give him some time. We'll we'll see what happens. Absolutely, but good. You're the one that said he was going to play this year. Yeah, just, well, he did, out. right? He got in the game. Yes, we we're up thirty. I, listen, if Rodney gets in foul trouble and you need size, I think there's a chance Cyril gets a couple games. I I I think that's and we'll see. I mean, it it'll depend on injuries, things like that. But all right, so uh, I think we've I think we've covered it enough. That was uh, that was intriguing. I'm. You know I'm always ready to talk basketball, so. Absolutely. Uh, any, yeah, I mean, any, I'm with you there. Any final thoughts before we wrap up this fantastic show? Not really. Go Jackets, man. You know, we're going uh, to see the – hopefully, if the football team beats Miami, it's going to be a very interesting uh, final two weeks. Yeah. The, as they desperately scrap for, for bowl eligibility. Listen, take it one game at a time, one play at a time. I'm sorry to use coach speak at the end, but uh, – uh, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, Joshua, for those people who want to get in touch with the show, how do they do that? Uh, they can email me at uh, joshuajulian26. Julian is spelled J-U-L-I-A-N. Uh, joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. And if you have Instagram, it'll be free. That way, uh, just DM me. My profile is joshuajulian46. Um, I tend to respond very quickly. I check those a lot daily. So hit my line and you can be on the show. Fantastic. For Joshua, the sports media guy and the fan, this is Steven. I'm just the old guy who's an alum of tech. For Joshua, this is Steven. We are asking you as a tech fan or tech alum, what's the good word? <laughs>